taking time to rest, time to refresh, no stress To the city point Giving him your best, nothing like the rest, passing every test You know he's the one, yeah Taking time to rest, time to refresh, no stress To the city point Giving him your best, nothing like the rest, passing every test You know he's the one, yeah Taking time to rest, time to refresh, no stress To the city point Giving him your best, nothing like the rest, passing every test Yo, y'all, it is time to jump into the word. It is time to jump into the word. I'm excited. We've been in this series of preaching for uh, the month of January so far. It is titled Faith Driven Finances. And on last week, we jumped right in. We talked about faith driven giving. And this week, we are turning the page uh, to talk about uh, faith driven financial management. Faith driven financial management. And so we're going to be talking about um, just really how we um, how we handle our um, how we handle our money, how we manage our money. And so looking forward to jumping into it. Those of you that know me know that this is a subject that I'm deeply, deeply passionate about. Um, there's so much of the prayers that tend to uh, come out of folks that are in church, right? So much of people's faith, if you will, is kind of motivated by um, things perhaps not being right as it relates to finances, right? And some of these things, indeed, like we need God um, to give us breakthroughs in. But in, in some cases, it is just a matter of poor financial management. Uh, in some cases, it is uh, just needing to get new mindsets, get new habits, all things that we can do. You may have struggled with it in the past, but it is a brand new day. It is 2022. You got this. You can do this. And so we're going to jump right on into it and um, give you some, some good sound principles that you can apply to your life. Uh, we're going to be looking at Romans chapter 12. Why don't you join me in Romans uh, chapter 12? We're going to be talking about this mind renewal thing. And I'm hoping to help some of us get our stuff together. All right, let's jump right on into it. So Romans chapter 12, we're going to be reading from uh, verses, uh, uh, starting at verse 1, just reading verses uh, 1 and 2. It says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Let us pray. Father in heaven, thank you for giving us this chance to dig into your word. I pray for my sibling that is uh, watching this service. God, I pray for them wherever they may be. I pray, God, that you will speak to them in ways that are liberating, that cause them to have a better and different mindset when it comes to money, uh, that money truly is stewardship, that it is a, an opportunity for us to take what you have given to us, manage it properly, manage it well. Um, so that we can be a blessing to others, so that we can be a blessing to our family, and so that we can enjoy all the fruits of, uh, of good finances that we can enjoy. I pray these blessings in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. In this particular, um, in this particular passage that we're looking at right now, Romans chapter 12, Paul is writing uh, to the church at Rome, and Paul urges them that he wants them uh, to do some certain types of living as it relates to being Christians. Uh, Paul urges them to stop doing certain things, and then he wants them to start doing certain things. Uh, 
this is important for us to look at because for many of us, we have entered into 2022 committing to stopping doing some of the things related to our money that we did in 2021. And we want to start some new behaviors that we were not doing in 2021. Uh, one of the things that we want to stop doing is stop letting our money leak. For some of us, it seems like it leaks all over the place. We get paid on Friday and over the weekend, somehow there has been a leak in our bag. And by the time we get around to the middle of the week, after going through the weekend of living it up and of being excited because payday has come and feeling like we have some freedom and feeling like we can floss a little bit and feeling like we have some breathing room and we got a little bit loose with our money. And so that happened over the weekend. And by the time we get to the middle of the next week, we look up and we're like, where did all of my money go? For many of us, we have committed that in 2022, I am going to stop living that way. I am going to live the fruitful and the blessed and the benefited and the well-financed or financially mature life. We're going to stop doing something and start doing something else. That is effectively what Paul is saying to the church at Rome. He is telling them to stop masquerading, to stop conforming, and he wants them to start transforming or to do a metamorphosis into something new. Uh, what Paul effectively says is he wants them to do what the butterflies do. Paul says to them, I, I want you to go through a metamorphosis. I want you to transform from a caterpillar into a beautiful Butterfly, And the only way that that can happen is through transformation or metamorphosis. Specifically, what Paul talks about is a change of mindset. Here in Romans chapter 12, Paul points out the danger in conforming to what he calls the pattern of the world or, Paul, as Paul says, copying the world. Because for Paul, the Christian way of living and thinking and behaving for Paul is effectively out of this world. Paul is saying to the church at Rome as a Christian, how you forgive in the face of insult and wrong is out of this world. How you give out of what you have to be generous to other people who don't have, that is out of this world kind of behavior. How you love, even when the object of your love doesn't deserve your love, is out of this world. Paul says, despite how, despite the way you've been blessed, you seem to have figured out how to remain humble is out of this world. Even the way you think then and manage money, I want to say to you today, the way that you manage what God has given you must also be out of this world. Yes, as Christians, as members of the community at City Point Community Church, we have learned to love out of this world. We have learned to be humble out of this world. We have learned to be family and community in ways that are out of this world. But I want to push you to not just stop there, but to push through to develop how to manage and take care of your money in a way that is out of this world. Unfortunately, too often in Christian culture, we do apply this principle of transformation to every area of our lives except for our money. 
But for the sake of this sermon, I, I want to reinsert this idea of managing money out of this world. I don't want to spend time today telling you to love out of this world, be humble out of this world. I don't want to spend time uh, today teaching you how to forgive out of this world. I think that, that, that you all do a decent job of that, and we have covered that in other series. But, but today, and for the sake of today's sermon, I want to push you that the way you need to manage your money needs to be out of this world. The way that you do that through a mindset transformation because a mindset transformation watch this will lead to behavior modification so the first thing that we need to do the first thing that we need to do is we need to change the pattern change the pattern but paul says do not be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world let me say to you that how we tend to think about money tends to be according to a pattern. That, that is a reason why it is frustrating because it feels like we keep doing the same thing over and over again. We, we, we get new money, but we do the same old things over and over again. It, it is because we are functioning according to a, a, a pattern. Got a raise, but it didn't matter. We were doing the same old things. Got another raise. 2022 came and we got even more money, but it seems like the year has only gotten off to the first two weeks and the same things are happening. We end up with more month than money. It is because the way we function is according to a pattern. So let's talk about how we how we end up in these Patterns. Let me say to you that if you do what everybody else does, you will get everyone else's results. Let me say that again. If you do what everyone else does, you will get everyone else's results. I don't know if you um, um, have been to uh, this uh, machine in the office lately. I know it's kind of a foreign thing because many of us have not had to return to, to the office space, but but in the office space, there is this room typically or this uh, uh, area within the office space that has these machines that stand about this tall and you put paper in them and and what you get out of it is the same thing that you put in. It is called a copy machine. Yeah, yeah, copy machine. That is the way we tend to function in the world. Very monkey see, monkey do. We do what others do. We buy what others buy. We commit the behaviors that other people commit to uh, behaving. And we uh, do these things. We copy these behaviors. We conform to these patterns that are in the world. These are patterns like keeping up with the Joneses. It ends up as a circular rat race of everybody trying to keep up with everybody and nobody stopping to ask the question, why are we really doing what we are doing? Is it really sensical or is this actually nonsensical? But if that person over there just bought a new car and they just put $500 down and they just got a five years, six years, seven year car note, then that must be an all right thing to do. If person over there just spent this money on this trip, if that person over there just spent this much money on their birthday party, if this person over there just bought this for their kids, then it must be what people in my class status do. It's keeping up with the Joneses. Some things we we do just end up being like we are just doing it for the gram, doing it so other people 
can see it. We have to disrupt that pattern. For some of us, it is simply affirmation through acquisition where we are not simply doing it because we saw other people doing it, but we're doing it according to this pattern of needing to buy things to affirm who we are. So I need that. I got to have that because that says that I am me or says that I have arrived at a certain station in life. And you got to be very careful about that. Something that I've learned, the better I got about saving money, the less I had a need for things to affirm the notion that I had money. When you know in your heart of hearts that you're good, you don't need all the things, right? All the trinkets, all, all the things that we can tend to grab hold to out of our insecurity to, to, to convince ourselves and other people that, that we got it, that, that we really belong here, that we really have arrived. Let me say this secret. For those people that I know that have arrived, they really don't want everybody to know that they arrived. And so they tend to play low, be low key. They tend to play understated because of that. Let me say, y'all, we've got to be careful with this affirmation through acquisition thing because it will cause us to overspend and to overdo it just to affirm who we are. Sometimes the affirmation through acquisition comes in the form of just retail therapy, and we got to watch that. Let me say the last thing that we do is we take on unnecessary debt. Those of you that, that have known me for some time know where me and Carla stand on debt. We've helped some people, push some people at City Point that have now become debt-free um, from these years of us uh, talking about it. We live debt-free. Um, the only debt that we carry is like investment debt for like properties and things like that, but no credit cards and those types of things. Um, what debt tends to do to us is it speaks for tomorrow's money today. Y'all remember that uh, that thing on uh, on Snow White where the seven dwarfs were um, were out there marching? They were saying like, uh, "All we own." No, 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 no. This is a different movie. Snow White and Seven Dwarfs. They were saying, "I owe, I owe." It's off to work I go, and then they would whistle. They were saying again, "I owe, I owe." It's off to work I go. That ends up being the reality when we take on debt. Because debt spends tomorrow's money today. So then we end up having to go to work, right? When we go to work, we earn money or we run our business, we earn money. All that money is not ours. Some of that money belongs to the person that we borrowed money from that helped us accumulate debt. Some of those days, those hours that we went to work were not to earn money for ourselves. It was to earn money for somebody else who was not at the job, who did not have to uh, knock snow off their cars, who did not have to shovel themselves out of the parking space. All they had to do was give you some of their money today that you so that you could buy something that you could not yet pay for or didn't want to pay for. Because they gave you that money, you've got to invest your time, your energy paying them tomorrow. But then what you've also done is you have robbed yourself of the ability to use tomorrow's money to invest in tomorrow and build money for the future. And so that, that is why we are just keenly uh, against uh, debt. There's some rare exceptions when it makes sense. Um, everybody's got to do them, but I can tell you with almost a decade of living debt-free, I would not have it any other way. And I, and I honestly think 
that the benefits and the freedom that Carl and I have begun to experience have been because of that decision to live debt free. Now, it does come with some sacrifices, right? That I, In order for me to get a car, I got to save up the money to pay cash for it. And so it means I can't have the Range Rover that I want because the brand new one costs 100K and I ain't got $100,000 to spend on a car. But it also makes me have to decide if I really, really want it that much that I would fork over $100,000 cash for it. It's a lot easier if if somebody um, just says that I just have to pay them twelve hundred dollars a month for however many years to have that car. Now it seems like it's less of a burden and and, and all of that. But when I have to think about a hundred thousand dollars to pay for it, now I really question the value of it of this utility um, that I need. So so that that that's my piece on debt. That's my piece on debt. So so. So the first thing that we have to do is we have to change the pattern, right? We have to change the pattern. The Bible says that in Proverbs 22 and 7, the rich rule over the poor and the borrower is slave to the lender. Let, let me posit this last piece before we move on to this next point. I, this is a point that I've made in years past about the fact that we will earn a, a finite amount of money over our lifetimes. I want you to think about this for a second. Typical person in America that is a high school graduate. This is a course, This is a little bit old. It's 2015 census numbers, but they'll earn about $900,000 over their lifetime. Person with a bachelor's degree, that's about um, that. Yeah, person with a bachelor's degree um, will earn about 1.8 million dollars, um, and that's a person with a bachelor's degree or higher uh, on average will earn about 1.8 million dollars over their lifetime. Um, this other stat that I want to share with you, this is from credit.com, is that the typical American will fork over $280,000 in interest over their lifetime. So I want you to think for a minute about this um, about this $1.8 million um, of this uh, bachelor's degree or higher. Let's take that, that $2.8 million and just think about how sizable uh, of, a, of a percentage that is. It's almost one-sixth. Um, one-sixth of that entire uh, lifetime income that is being sucked away, right? So if we if we work five days a week or whatever, we're talking about one-sixth, so almost the equivalent of a day, nearly a day worth of wages, we all will give away typically uh, in interest over our lifetimes. And so we want to reduce as much as possible because when we think about that 1.8 million, we won't see it all. We're going to lose a, a quarter of it in taxes, um, and so that 1.8 quickly becomes like one point, what is that, like 1.35 it becomes. Um, and then we take away that almost $300,000 in interest, right? That's just the interest. We re reduce that. We're down to just a little over a million at this point um, that we have to save for retirement, to tithe, to do our generosity, to take care of our family, to build um, um, generational wealth. We've really cut into it because we're helping somebody else build um, their own generational wealth. So let y'all stay with me. Don't, don't feel defeated in this. Let's, let's keep pushing. So, so the second thing that we do is we create a plan. We need to create a plan. Uh, one of the things that I noticed, so I'm, I'm in grad school. I will finish up uh, seminary. I'm in a Master of Arts of Public Ministry uh, program right now um, at Garrett Seminary. And uh, one of the things that I noticed is just about my time management that I've had to just master and get better at. 
I noticed a few semesters ago that I always ended up with just enough time to get my assignments done, right? So assignment is due at five o'clock on Tuesday. It's 4.55 and I'm just doing my final editing and putting my header on it and getting ready to submit it on Moodle, right? That's like the online platform to submit your work. 4.55, why is it that every week I end up with just enough time, right? Just enough to be able to get my assignment in on time. Well, what I discover is that it wasn't a coincidence. What I noticed was that psychologically, I was using all of the time that I had to do the work. So, so what I noticed that I had to start doing was I had to start allotting myself a specific amount of time for every aspect of the project, right? So let's say, for instance, I, I've got to do a five-page essay. What I started to do now is I write out, all right, how much time do I need to do the reading, right? I'm going to give myself three hours to do all my reading that I need to do. How much time do I need for an outline? I need an hour to write my outline. And then how many hours do I need for my writing? All right, five pages, give me three hours and I can knock that out. And then give me an hour for editing and proofreading. And I put all that time together and then I go to my calendar and I budget out that time. When am I going to be able to spend this, however many hours this added up to be? When am I going to be able to spend this amount of time on this project? What days can I distribute it to? And then each day I hold myself accountable for, for spending the appropriate amount of time on that particular aspect of the project so that I can be ready to finish up by the end. Uh, effectively, what I was doing was I was deciding that, that I was going to start managing my time and I was going to stop wasting time by not being efficient with it. In essence, I was deciding that I was going to tell every moment of my time where to go. Because if I didn't tell every moment of my time where to go, then what could have been three hours on reading will end up being six hours on reading. What could have been uh, three hours of writing could end up being six hours of writing. But when I budgeted, I, I ended up learning that I could be much more efficient with my time. Me talking about my time management for some of you may sound like your money. It may sound like your money in how it has no plan and it is inefficient and it is wasteful and it is able to go wherever it wants and spread as wide as it wants because there are no boundaries and there are no limits. It comes in Friday and then it's running all over the place. Let me say to you that it's not the money, it's your management. Let me say that again for you. It's not the money, it's your management of it. The Bible says in Proverbs 13 to 16, a wise person thinks ahead, a fool doesn't, and even brags about it. That's Proverbs 13 and 16. And so what we need to start doing is just budgeting. In the same way I budget my time, for those of you that don't set a budget for your money, shame, shame, shame. You've got to give your money a plan. You've got to create a plan. Let me challenge you this week. Create a plan for your money to be a steward over all that God has given you. Put a plan together for it. There are some budget resources that I'll share. Uh, Mint.com, you've heard me talk about this before. They've got some budgeting resources. Uh, Nerdwallet.com has some budgeting resources. 
join the community group this Wednesday and the next four Wednesdays um, from seven o'clock to eight. Um, and you will learn about budgeting and some budgeting resources as well. Real quick, when you're budgeting, a couple things you want to do. First of all, you want to account for all of your income. You definitely want to account for variances. If you're a household, at my household, we put it all in one bucket. There is no I make, you make, your money, my money. Put it all in one bucket. We put all our power together and then we work it from there. Um, so you want to look at all your income. If you're managing it as a, as a whole household, put it all together. What's all the income that we get? For some people, you get paid every week. Some people, every other weeks. For some people, twice a month. You want to put that into your budget. You want to factor that in. If you get paid every week or every two weeks and there's some months that you get that extra paycheck, you want to account for that. We call that our B month. Um, that's when we have that extra money, right? That's that's not extra money. It's your money, and you need to account for where that money can go. Sometimes that's a month that you can double down on, like, paying extra debt off. That's a time that you can save extra money for, like, vacations and things like that, so you don't have to put those on credit cards. But you want to account for that. So account for all your income. Account for the variances, um, especially if you're an entrepreneur and you know there are high seasons and low seasons. You, you want to budget either based on your lowest month or based on your average month. Uh, and then you want to account for all of your expenses. Again, account for the variables, account for the variances, rather. And then the third thing that you want to have in your budget is savings. And for me, we, we, we keep multiple um, kind of line items for savings because it's not all just one bucket. Some savings are for emergencies. If you own a home, what if the, what if the hot water heater goes out today? It is very cold outside. Everybody's in the house. Hard to get contractors out and you need to take showers. What if the actual furnace goes out and you have to deal with that? You want to be able to deal with those things uh, without having to take on debt. So you save for them. Family vacation. Christmas. Christmas ain't going to sneak up on you. It's going to be December 25th next year. I, it's already on my calendar. That's when it's being held. December 25th. You're going to have to spend money buying presents. So you can already start saving for that. But all that you can put in your budget, $100 a month in the budget for Christmas, $150, whatever you want to do, $300 if you like to ball out. Vacation money, put that in, in the budget. Saving, few hundred dollars a month, whatever you need to do. But budget for it so that you can plan to make it happen. Thirdly and finally, I want to talk about uh, the fact that you need to commit to principles. You need to commit to principles. All of this that I've shared is just talk. If you don't actually commit to the principles that I've talked about, these principles of creating a plan, these um, these principles of, of deciding that you are going to like choose a different pattern that you're going to live according to uh, these principles, like I'm not going to be trying to keep up with the Joneses. I'm not going to just be copying the behaviors of the world. I'm not going to be making acquisitions just for my own affirmation. I'm not going to be just doing it for the gram. Commit to the principles, and that is what is going to make the difference, right? Paul says, be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Let me just ask you, if you really want to do this, well, let me ask you this. Do you really want to do this? Do you really want to stop doing some things and start doing some new things as it relates to your money in 2022? If you do, I believe that you can do it. And this is a community. We, we talk about 
personal finances every year. And so there are people that have been going on this journey for years. You've got a community that will help hold you accountable, encourage you, all that good stuff. If you want to do this, you can do this. Bible says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Let, let me read you another translation. My translation. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, like taking on unnecessary debt or buying things just to impress people living at or above your means and spending to affirm who you are. Instead, let God transform how you handle money by changing the way you think. Then you will learn God's will for your finances, which is good and pleasing and perfect. 